It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? Today, we have special guest David Harrison joining the show today. We are going to talk about whether the Wizards should make a move for James Wiseman and Jaden Ivey. And we're going to look at could Bilal work at the two and could Denny work at the four, depending on how we draft next year's draft. But we're going to talk about a lot of Wizards and a little bit of Commanders today next on Locked On Wizards. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. And tonight's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 and bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. So just visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started so it's your boy brandon scott again with my guy the real ed oliver as always the best backcourt in dc i'm trying to tell you but today we have special guest david harrison the host of locked on commanders the co-host of locked on bucks and a writer for sports illustrated fan nation so david how you doing tonight man oh i'm doing good man how are you guys doing we're doing man <laughs> first year for rebuild so. <laughs> yeah can't complain can't complain a lot Damn. of losses so far, but uh, we know it's a, it's a trust the process time right now. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of trust involved. So um, <laughs> we're gonna kick it off. Um, really popular right now. Um, David is uh, a lot of people um, looking at the situation in uh, Detroit. James Wiseman DMP. Uh, Jaden Ivey has voiced displeasure with his role. Um, he's, mm-hmm. Matter of fact, Killian Hayes is getting more minutes than he's getting at this point. So uh, considering this is a rebuilding team, uh, we're trying to get accumulate as much young talent as we can. And we do have veteran guys on inspiring deals that need to be moved. You know, I.E. Shemet, Gallinari, you know, maybe Tyus Jones. So looking at the fact that we need to solidify the center position and the limitations of Daniel Gafford, would you entertain a trade for James Wiseman? And would you kind of try to get Jaden Ivey thrown into the deal too? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I, I think you have no reason not to um, other than, you know, if you're one of the people out there who just completely think that it's time to – to jump ship on on two young guys who have plenty of career left ahead of them and plenty of opportunities to develop left ahead of them, then you know that's the only reason you're you're gonna you're gonna not want to sign off on a deal like that because not just talking about those two young guys and their potential talent and their abilities to potentially impact an NBA rebuild like we're we're dealing with the Washington with, with the Washington Wizards, but the Washington Wizards have no interior defense. They have they have like Daniel Gafford is it. And if Daniel Gafford rolls his ankle or gets the flu or trips on the curb entering the stadium, like that's it. You're done. There, there's no interior defense. We saw that already this season earlier with, with, with the games that he missed. We saw that when we see that every game, every time he comes off the court, we see the lack of interior defense. And, and you know, 
James Wiseman coming in would be in a situation where he's already coming off of the bench. So, you know, that's not going to be a completely new experience for him. And and whether or not he eventually takes over a starting role over a guy like Daniel Gafford is 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 you know to be determined. But to me personally, Daniel Gafford, you know, I, there's there's still room for improvement. There's still time for him to grow you know himself within his own game. But I think he's a second, he's a number two center. He's he's not your starter. He shouldn't be a starter on a I don't want to say serious. I'm going to say, for lack of a better term, I'll say serious NBA team. And I don't mean that to say like the Washington Wizards aren't a serious NBA franchise, but I mean that from a competitive stance. You know what I mean? I like Gaffer. I like what he brings, but I like it a lot better if he's bringing it off the bench. Yeah, I agree, man. I, I like Gaff. I'm a big fan of him, but is he that guy starting center? I don't think so. Um, we know what his limitations are. You know, he's a law threat. You know, he can defend the paint, but he struggles against. More agile, bigger bigs. We saw it with Bam Adebayo. We, we definitely saw it with Joel Embiid. Um, foul troubles, conditioning. You know, he's had his limitations. And Mike Muscala, I mean, he just he's a stretch and he can shoot, but that is about it. You know, when shots not dropping, he's out of it. So, E, um, are you? Would you entertain the Jane Wiseman deal? Oh, of course. I mean, uh, David hit a lot of points on the head that if Gaff, if, if Gaff gets in foul trouble or sets an illegal screen or even if he's out there, honestly, I mean, Joel Embiid put up 48 points and, and Gafford tried. Like he had what, four blocks in the first quarter. So I had to tip my cap to Gafford because he was playing hard. He got elbow last night as well. I, they called a technical foul, but that was really an offensive foul on Embiid. So he really should have had – Embiid should have had two quick fouls in that first quarter. Um, but, yeah, when he goes down, it's like you got Mascalo and Gallo can barely move his feet. He's like a cone on defense. So and Wiseman still has potential, former first-round pick. I think he still has upside um, there in Detroit. I mean, Duran has just played – he's outplayed him. So I, I get why they're playing Jalen Duran over James Wiseman. But Wiseman still has upside. Uh, he's still an athletic big. And I think with the Wizards, you look you look when Wiseman got some playing time last year. He had 11-12 and 12 in the last game of the season. He had a double-double. He had 12 points and 10 boards against Orlando, another double-double. He had 14 and 11 against OKC, another double-double. So he was racking up double-doubles uh, last year. And you're not going to have to give up a first-round pick for Wiseman. Personally, I wouldn't give up a first-round pick. So you're probably going to have to give up. We just got a bunch of seconds from the Bradley Bill deal. We got a couple. We got a second from Monte Morris. Uh, we got another second for – I want to say we got a second in the Porzingis deal with Tyus Jones, if I'm not mistaken. So we, yeah. we racked up on second-round picks. So I feel like you can – use some of those seconds to bring in a guy like James Wiseman and just have young talent uh, that can develop un- under under the Washington Wizards organizations right now. So I, that's it's a, it's basically a, a low-risk, high-reward trade, bringing in a guy like James Wiseman that can bring in some big man depth. Because just throwing Gafford out there against, you know, your Jokic – I mean, I can't say Jokic is of the world because there's only one Jokic, but Jokic and Bede – uh, even Porzingis, you saw what Porzingis did to us a couple days ago, uh, where he put up 10 points in like a, the first quarter. So even some of the mid-tier bigs like Vucevic and some of the guys who are not juggernaut uh, centers, we haven't even played Anthony Davis yet. We haven't played Sabonis. There's a lot of bigs we haven't even played against yet that are, are better than some of the bigs that we played. So, yeah, I, I would definitely take a swing on Jays Wise. I don't think it hurts at all. No, I mean, not at all. I mean – you know, not even adding Ivy to the deal. When you look at Wiseman, yeah. he's still young. He fits the timeline. You know, if he pans out, you got a guy at center who is very versatile. I mean, who can play some ball. He just needs coaching. You know, I think he needs the right environment. He needs a rebuilding team. I mean, I know the Pistons, they're a rebuilding team, but they're kind of a little further ahead than we are a little bit. As far as, you know, now they're starting to add guys like Bogdanovich, which I know they're trying to move now, ironically. But, um but Ivy, I mean, if you can grab both of them, mm. Lord have mercy. I mean, I know both of us said that we wanted us to draft Jaden Ivy out of Purdue, man. I mean, he's a. I mean, I think the only the only thing that really t- um, holds up Ivy 
coming over to DC is where do you play him? Do you play him at the two? Because um, who starts at the point? You know, Tyus Jones is the guy now, but is he the long-term answer at point? And Jordan Poole, in my opinion, is not ready for point because obviously he needs to rein in a lot, you know, shooting more hops in the shots and really getting those turnovers down, man. Because, I mean, he's still making a lot of questionable moves, so I don't think he's quite ready for point. But Jaden Ivey on this team, again, these two guys shorten that rebuild and they fit the timeline. So I would definitely entertain that. But the question is, what do we give up? You know, do they want Gallo? Look, Gallo at this point is on a walker with tennis balls, man. I mean, he can barely move. Uh, Shemette, when he's not hitting threes, he's pretty much non-existent. DeLon Wright is not his self, man. Uh, Mike Muscala is very limited on the defensive end and ain't rebounding. And then really, the, the, to me, the guy that has the most value is Tyus Jones. But then again, who is the guy at point going forward? Because I know a lot of Wizards fans are just tired of the combo guard trying to be a point guard. You know, we sat through Dinwiddie. We know how that went down. You know, Monte Morris, he did well did his job, but he won the guy. So I think there's a lot of questions, and I think it's going to get clearer the closer we get to the deadline when we start. But I don't know if we can move Gallo. I mean, how much value can you get for Gallo Schmidt? You know, um, we both kind of talked a bit on the last episode, David, is um, we believe they need to go ahead and buy him out. I think go ahead and buy out Gallo. Go ahead and buy out Schmidt. <laughs> give Johnny Davis minutes and go from there. But going back to Wiseman, absolutely. I'm going on the phone right now because – they're not even playing them. So come on to D.C., get some playing time. And, again, they, they fit the timeline. So I would definitely entertain that move. So um, next we're going to look at um, the Wizards are slated to be the number one pick next year. So Ron Holland has been a name that's been mentioned a lot at small forward. So we're going to look at could Bilal, could he be the answer to the shooting guard going forward? And could Denny fit at power forward? So we're going to talk about that and more next. But before we do, tonight's episode is brought to you by Prize picks. So you're wondering what is prize picks? Well, they are actually the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play fantasy sports. It's just you versus the numbers. Instead of betting thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less two to six players and then you go against their stat projections. So um looking forward Wednesday night or tomorrow night rather against the Hornets. I'm looking at a few people in the, <laughs> as far as fantasy. Um Terry Rosaire is always is always a wizard's killer. I mean, Nick Richards, I'm looking at as far as rebounds. So um, on the Wizards side, look, Kyle Kuzma is, is almost always a shoe-in to get 20-plus points. So I'm looking at him and Jordan Poole as far as points. So that's who I'm looking at as far as picks. But testing my skills and prize picks this basketball season is the most exciting way to play dynasty family sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. I'm trying to tell you. Prize picks is really simple to play. You just make picks and you submit your entry and less in 60 seconds. I'm trying to tell you it's that easy. So all you got to do is go to prospects.com slash LockedOnNBA and use promo code LockedOnNBA for the first deposit matchup to $100. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Prize picks, I definitely recommend it. Thanks for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. Tomorrow we're going to do, like we always do, a live recap of the Wizards versus Hornets game tomorrow. So definitely tune in for that. So... Uh, before I pass the mic to my man E, um, like I said, before we went to break, um, the Wizards are slated to be the number one pick. And then obviously, uh, 
prospects change who goes number one. You know, people are looking at SAR, maybe a center. We have a need a center. But most of the mock drafts are pointing at Ron Holland from the G League Ignite. Um, so if we indeed draft him to play at the wing, do you see a future with Blau Kulabali at the two guard? And do you think that Dini Avia could slide to power forward to accommodate? You asking me or E? Um, oh, you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. My bad, my bad. Um, yeah, I mean, I think at this point in time, you can see pretty much everything. I don't love, you know, like Denny, like the idea of Denny at like the fours. I don't really love that. But I think that, you know, more and more, you know, it, it's it's really a situation where you got to play matchup basketball, you know. And I remember talking to a lot of people about this during uh, the, the NBA playoffs last year and, and kind of gauging some of the matchups. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take my – my small victory lap here. I want to. I want to premise this by saying, in no way, shape, or form, do I know anything more about basketball than David Aldridge does. But we were talking about the NBA playoffs last year, and he was like, uh, "He's like, you know, the Nuggets had a good run, but they're about to get bounced by the Suns." I was like, "I don't know, Da. I think the Nuggets have the weapons to, to bounce the Suns out. I don't think the Suns have the depth and yada yada." And you guys all know what happened uh, there. So that's my small victory lap because that's the only that's the only opportunity I'm ever going to have to try to best uh, a guy like David Aldridge. But you know, we talk a lot about position positionless basketball. And DA and I have had a lot of conversations about matchup basketball specifically and, and how teams – we just saw against the Philadelphia 76ers. Like, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what, you know, Jordan Poole might be able to pull off and with some of his, his you know, we'll call them antics for lack of a better term, how consistent Kyle Kuzma can be, how much potential Bilal Koulibaly has defensively or offensively. When you have a guy like Joel Embiid who's just running rough shot all over the court, all over your team, it doesn't matter from the top of the arc, from the baseline – under the basket he's wherever he is he is the best player on the court and that is the kind of player that you want to see develop in the, in the nba so with Bilal, I'm, I'm much more comfortable because if you want to take a look at him at any other number of positions um you have the time to do that you have the time to kind of develop him into that kind of a of a role i think denny is a little bit more limited um and honestly i prefer this year's version of denny Abdia running downhill like I like what he's been able to do at all three levels of the court scoring wise, but I really like him running downhill. So as many looks as you can get him, obviously in transition is beautiful, but if you can draw up any plays or draw up any designs to get him running through the lane, I think that's really where he's starting to grow a little bit more that I've seen from him. So to me, unless you're playing small ball, the four doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but again, with this team, I mean, if you can make it make sense, then, then certainly go for it. But a guy like Ron Holland, I think, if you're rebuilding like the Washington Wizards are, you just take the best dude available yeah. and you build your team around that kind of talent. Yeah, I agree. Best player available is definitely the route I think they need to go. But I think center is the position I would go for. Because like you said, I like seeing Denny at the small forward. Now, Bilal Koulibaly at the two is intriguing. But what do you think, E? I mean, you think that Bilal could work at the two? Yeah, I do want to see him handle the ball better. That's my only concern. Uh, he, you know, he has that high dribble, but you know he's he's steadily improving handling the basketball. Uh, but I think defensively, I think he can guard twos and threes. Um, you know, he did knock down a three the other night, so I think offensively he's, he's developing more and getting to the basket in transitions. He's done a great job. But yeah, I can see him be at the two. Uh, you know, I don't want to compare the summer league to real games, but in the summer league, he was playing at the two as well, where he was orchestrating. Um, you know, running the pick and roll where he was the ball handler, making some nice pocket passes, you know, getting to the basket, you know, getting to the free throw line as well. So I, I think he could definitely play the two guard. I think he, he's capable of doing playing two through four at this point. Yeah. Of course, he just needs to get stronger. But I think moving forward, yeah, I think you can see him coming off the bench, playing the two, uh, playing the two, you know, where if you have Jordan Poole playing the one, you have a better defender 
at the two instead of having that smaller backcourt with Tyus and Jordan Poole where defensively has been a str- I mean, every lineup we put out there has been pretty bad defensively, but when it's Tyus and Jordan Poole, it's, it's, it's been our worst defensive lineup. So, yeah, definitely. I, I would like to see Bilal play at the two at times. Yeah, I agree with um, both, you know, what you guys were both saying, man. Um, I mean, if we grab Holland, maybe that's worth a look. Because at one point, um, Denny did say he did feel comfortable playing the four, if not more mm-hmm. comfortable. So, and we've we've seen him play well against fours. You know, um, we, we saw him play well against Giannis, which he's a tough guard, man. So, on the defensive end, I think that Denny Avia is versatile enough to play the four. Because if you have a chance to get around Holland, you definitely go, you get him. But... I definitely think that center is you know, a young center is somebody that we need to look at. Sar, uh, Bradshaw is another prospect. So, yeah, I agree with a lot of uh, what you both said. So, it's going to be intriguing to see how they approach next year's draft. But I'm going to go ahead and pass the mic to my, my man. E. Yeah, I haven't deep dove into the draft yet, but we, we certainly need a big man. I mean, we could take any, yeah. any, any, any big man help, which has helped this team tremendously. It may not, you know, get us a bunch of wins, but at least we would have some type of presence in the post where, you know, people are just, you know, having a layup line at this point right now. Um, but, yeah, I, I do want to get you guys' thoughts on Jaden Ivey. We, did, we talked about James Wiseman, but, you know, Dave, I'll go with you first. I want to get your thoughts on Jaden Ivey, if he's a guy worth worth uh, looking after. Yeah, I mean, I think he is. You know, and, again, just going to go back to James Wiseman. I think, obviously, the need for a guy like Wiseman is obviously more apparent in, in today's roster than, than a guy like this. But I think – Anytime you have the opportunity to go get that kind of upside, you know, if they're if that team is going to sell, you got to go and try to buy. And it, it really just boils down to what what do they want and what can you give up? Because you know some of these pieces, like you know, if they go asking for you know something crazy like a Jordan Poole, I mean, obviously that's a piece you're trying to build around uh, for this team. So you can't you know you can't go giving that up. You don't want to give up too much capital for the future as well. And and you know that's where things get a little bit complicated. Um, the other part of that equation, I don't think that this Washington Wizards front office is going to do a whole lot of buying. Um, I do think that if they do buy anybody, whether it be a, a signing somewhere um, off the streets or a trade for a guy like Wiseman, it'll be uh, to get another big man. Because, I mean, everybody, they have they have to know they need another big man. Like, if, if, if they're going to go, uh, how many more games? we got 75, 76 more games uh, like this. It's, it's going to be a very long season, more so than we expected it to be. I think everybody expected a long year but even more uh, than you expect it to be. But it's, it's really difficult for this team because I really believe that this Wizards team is in the process of trying to figure out not who they're going to be long-term, but who they are right now. Like, they're on a they're on a mission to find themselves. You know what I mean? Like, like they're walking through the woods hoping for a hallucination in front of them to tell them what their path is going to be. So it's hard to make these deals and, and sell any type of future capital if you don't know what path you're trying to take and you end up bringing these players in. You know, you look at Wiseman. Uh, what is he scheduled to be a restricted free agent next year? So you're going to have to make a decision on him. You have to commit to him for multiple years, not just a year or two. Whereas if you draft a guy, you're, you're committing, but it's it's a much easier commitment uh, to make as you develop the identity of your team. So that's the only reason I don't know that the Wizards will actually be buyers in any of these, these avenues. But like I said, me personally, I would absolutely do it. I just don't know if this front office is going to do it because I don't know that their intent this season – is to really add more pieces as much as it is to figure out what the pieces they already have mean for their future. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I don't see them being buyers. I, I think if they chose between one of the two, I think they would most likely go after Wiseman um, just because, you know, Gafford's already missed a few games. So if he's not in, then we 
we don't even look like an NBA team when he's when he's not out there. It's hard to see us win uh, more than 10, 15 games. We, we've been waving the West has been waving the white flag and subbing guys out with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So but once again, it's, it's a trust in the process and, the, and developing. But my my opinion on Jay Ivey, of course, I would definitely take a swing on him. I loved him coming out of the draft. Uh, just watching him with Purdue. I'm a big Maryland fan, so I got to see him play a lot against Maryland just in the Big Ten Conference. Uh, he's electric, man. He can get downhill. And I think Kay Cunningham coming back, of course, is just really taking away his minutes. And uh, Killian Hayes is getting minutes over him. Right now he's out with an illness, and I'll say that in quotation marks. Uh, clearly he's not happy. He doesn't want to be there. So I, I don't think he's going to be there past the trade down. He might not even be there past the end of this uh, end of 2023. I, I don't I don't know if he's going to be there. It may get to a to a situation where they may just have to move on from him, and, and that that may be better for both sides. So it's just the compensation. What are we going to give up? We don't have a lot of value with our guys. You know, Brandon. I know we talked about Shamet and Gallo. They right now they just have zero value at this point. Uh, so it it might be tough. But I was looking at the trade with James Wiseman uh, when he did get traded. It was a four team trade. Uh, the Pistons got James Wiseman. The Warriors got Gary Payton and two second-round picks from Atlanta. The Hawks got Sadiq Bay, And then the Blazers got Kevin Knox and five future second-round picks. So I'm pretty sure that uh, the Pistons had Kevin Knox. They traded him to the Blazers. And um, I want to say the Pistons gave up those five future second-round picks. So to get Wiseman, it probably, it probably would be a player, maybe DeLon Wright's caliber, and then three second-round picks, something like that. That's what I'm thinking. It may take than Jaden Ivey. I'm just not sure what they would want from him, for him. But I would, of course, I wouldn't get a first round pick for any of these guys. But uh, we're gonna move on to the preview. I got one question for David. Uh, but before we do that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with anything with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'll give out a couple picks that I have for tomorrow night. I have Kyle Kuzma getting 20-plus points. Brandon talked about that on Prize Picks. Uh, I, I put that that bet in every single day, and uh, it's hit for me. Kyle Kuz has got at least twenty points. He had twenty eight last game, and then I'm gonna go with assists here. Lamelo Ball over nine and a half assists. Uh, Tyrese Maxey had eleven assists against us. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton had over ten assists against us. Uh, who else? Trey Young had ten assists or more against us. So everybody is getting. Every point guard that plays this gets at least 10 assists. So I will lock that in. LaMelo Ball getting over nine and a half assists tomorrow night against the Wizards. I definitely see a double-double in his future. Uh, so make sure you guys use FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season and the NBA season FanDuel official partner of the NFL. All right. So real quick, um, I have one question for you before we get into the preview. Um, what's been the biggest surprise for you? 
it can be player or just coaching wise. And what's been the biggest disappointment for you so far through the first six games of the season? Uh, the biggest surprise to me is honestly been how energetic this team is. And, and I know, you know, it's, it's hard to watch at times and, and it really is. And as a fan, I understand the frustration, you know, but when you, when you, if, if you, if you try to look at this through a team building lens, you know, and I think this is where coach Unseld uh, was coming from uh, following their, their latest debacle. Um, the effort is there. You know what I mean? And like, that's a very, very small consolation prize when you see guys just not guarding well and, and not communicating in zone and not, you know, rotating properly or not sticking to their guy. Like it, it's, it's very hard to swallow that as a, as a silver lining. But I think there's something to be said about that because guys in this situation, I mean, again, this, this front office has made no secret uh, about what, what process this is. Like, this is not a situation where the wizard, like the wizard, like, to the extent of we're going to go out every night and compete, yes, the Washington Wizards want to go out and win every single game, but they're not in the position where they're lying to themselves under and, and trying to pretend that they've got like the next LeBron James sitting on the on the bench waiting to just explode on the NBA. Like this team knows who they are, the coach knows who they are, the players know who they are, and for professional athletes who have to do this eighty-two times, you know, over the next next course of, of, of however many months. That can be hard to swallow, and especially when you got a really young team, that can be even more difficult to swallow. Now, again, we're only a handful of games into this thing, so we'll see if it continues. But right now, even when they're getting blown out, I remember you know the, the last game I was able to cover in person was the Celtics game and, and KP's return and all that stuff, and that really was the focus. It was all about Kristaps Porzingis coming back to D.C. after the trade and everything else. Nobody really even cared what was going on with the Washington Wizards on the court. And, guys, it was a Boston Celtics home game. I actually left that game feeling like I covered a home win because of how electric that crowd was because it was a Celtics crowd. Um, but, you know, that so, – so I think the fans who get frustrated, like I see it on social media, like fans want this guy fired and they want, you know, this guy benched and all this other stuff. Like they get to understand the process that they're actually in because these players are embracing it. So even when they're down 30 points and, you know, the, the last guy on the end of the bench is, is getting a dunk, like they're celebrating for their guy. And that's why you see them throwing backboard – dunk passes or you know, alley-oops to each other because they're out there trying to make this process as fun as it can be because there might be a handful of guys that are on this roster right now that are going to be on this roster in three years like and they all they all know it so part of it is, is a fact-finding mission part of it is a is a is a stylistic finding mission like you see jordan Poole doing all kinds of crazy stuff it's because they want jordan Poole to figure out where he's most lethal Let's let's go through this process and just do what you're going to do, and we will figure out what works, and that is what we will build on for the future. So the Jordan Poole you see right now is playing a lot looser. He's playing a lot, call it reckless, you know what I mean, because of that fact. And and I think it's important to keep that uh, that up. So I've been impressed by the energy. Again, you know it's November, so let's see what happens. You know even as the as the calendar turns, let's see if it if that's maintained. What I've been most disappointed in is the defensive breakdowns, and it's not even. Coach Unsell makes a lot of points of like we got a lot of new guys and it's hard to communicate. And I get all that if that was the only reason this was happening. But there are some really, really bad defensive breakdowns happening on this team, especially coming from Jordan Poole, especially against Philadelphia 76ers, where this dude is he's got he's they're playing zone coverage. Uh, they're playing zone defense, zone coverage. Sorry, I'm going back to my commander's <laughs> days, but they're playing zone defense. He knows he has a guy inside, but he gives up the outside of the court of the lane to the guy that he's guarding. You don't need to do that when you have a guy inside of you. That's why you have that zone helper there in case that guy gets by you. But that's not the disciplined play that you're getting on the defensive side of the court. I really think it's – I don't want to call it a, a, a football like you, a basketball IQ issue. 
It is an intel. It's it's an execution intelligence issue. It's in the moment. Like when Jordan Poole goes back and turns on the film of some of these really bad bad defensive series that he had against Philadelphia 76ers, he's going to know immediately when he turns on the tape what he did wrong, why it was wrong, and why he shouldn't do it. The problem is in the moment, whether it's because he's trying to make a play, trying to be smarter than the average bear, whatever it is, he's not doing it. That's where this team needs to get smarter because that individual defensive performance and breakdown has nothing to do with communication. If it's just communication, okay, I got it. If I, I told you to swap, you didn't swap. I told you to switch, you didn't switch. I told you not to switch, but you did anyway. I got it. That's communication. That's new dudes getting to know new dudes. That is individual bad defense, and that's where you can't afford to have star players uh, faltering. 100%. That was uh, broken down very well. So Jordan Poole, yeah, he's definitely had some frustrating moments. I thought offensively he looked better where he wasn't doing the shacking a fool, throwing stuff off the backboard or the turnaround behind the back and shooting a three against Porzingis and Porzingis easily blocks it. So I didn't see that, but defensively, yes, he definitely had some rough moments um, as they all did and Embiid ended up with 48 points. Um, but yeah, I, I like your point about them supporting each other. I think they've all have pushed each other to be better and just, you see Kuzma and Denny talking on the bench to each other. So it looks like they're having, you know, positive conversations where they are trying to get better and lead each other and improve where we've seen teams in the past where guys were running the locker room, you know, Dinwiddie and uh, getting in fights with well, arguments with other people, Montrose Harrell in a fist fight with KCP and Denny and Bretons and whatnot. We haven't seen that this year. It looks like guys are, are trying to push each other to get better, even though they're resulting in uh, big losses. But you see the, the end of the bench, guys get in like Ryan Rollins, um, Johnny Davis is improving in, 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 in later minutes. Eugene Amaruri, he's looked really, really good. He looks like a line, like he could play linebacker out there. Um, <laughs> and I have a funny stat here. So the best five man lineups, this is from Wizards Muse on Twitter. I saw this. Uh, he put out, he said, best five man lineups by point differential. The Wizards are number four in the league. It's Ryan Rollins, Johnny Davis, Bilal, Anthony Guild, and Amaruri. They're a plus 28. Now, the context to that is that they're playing at the end of the games. So they're playing yeah. against, you know, third string guys and the, the end of the bench of, you know, guys like the Miami Heat and the Celtics and whatnot. So, of course, their numbers look better. But these guys, they come in, they play hard, and they play with heart. You know, Rollins is picking up from full court. You see Blau defending well, Eugene. So I do want to see some of these guys get a little bit more minutes when the games are actually competitive. Uh, yeah. And it's unfortunate the games have only been competitive for about two and a half quarters. So I do want to see Rollins and Eugene get some more minutes earlier in the game. Can I touch on that real quick? Because that's actually something that I've been thinking a lot about with this Wizards team right now. So part of the re like, here's why there's a little bit of confidence in the coach. And, and I'm gonna be completely honest with you with Coach Unsell. Like I, I know I know I understand a lot of the frustration with him, and I totally get it from uh, from you know any outs from media fans, whoever. To me, though, if you're the front office in this situation, if you're not going to let Coach Unselled have an opportunity to start putting this team together over the next really good couple years, not just this year. Just fire him now. You know what I mean? Because you, yeah, you need yeah. to start identifying your your identity of your team in the eye of the coach that's going to put them together. But I will say this. You're getting a lot of good basketball. Well, I would say better basketball in the opening quarter, potentially two quarters in some of these games, right? I know things got a little bit out of hand against the Sixers a little bit earlier. To me, that's good coaching. And I'll actually make a comparison for the NFL. We talk about game scripts in the NFL. The first 15, 20 plays is your game script. It's where your coach, your quarterback come together and they say, this is what we think we can execute. This is how we think we can execute it. You see the Wizards come out in the beginning of a lot of these games, and they're actually playing good basketball. 
defensively, not so much, but offensively, they're playing really good basketball and they're in rhythm and, and there's some good energy there. And you have the occasional Jordan Poole kind of what are you doing, bro, type of play. And then sometimes he makes it, sometimes he doesn't. It's when the adjustments start. It's when the other side gets to say, okay, here's what the Wizards are going to do. Here's how we're going to counter that. And now Coach Unseld and his staff are trying to coach in the moment and they're trying to teach these guys who are just getting to know each other, learning how to communicate, all these things. They're trying to continue these, these lessons. So the coaches know how to, to scheme these players, I think is what we're seeing. It's the process of making adjustments on the fly in the heat of the battle, and that's where the growth has to happen. But I do want to say, you know, again, it's a small silver lining, right? But the fact that the Wizards come out most of these games and even against some of these better teams are actually competitive for the beginning part of it shows that this coaching staff understands who they have and how to use them against their opponents. It's just about building the consistency now. Yeah. No, I, I love the point that you said that they – they should just let him go. And it was it was so interesting they gave him that fourth year option that they just picked it up so early. You know, so we'll see if he, I, I think he will he will make it till next year. But uh I, I just feel like kind of like when when a new front office comes in, they want to pick their guy. And they stuck with Wes Elso Jr., which was an interesting decision. I'm not gonna say he's he's a lame duck head coach, but you know, I, I think eventually they will move on to a different coach. You know, they brought in David Vanderpool, they brought in Brian Keefe, so they brought in assistants that they're f- familiar with. Uh, but you know, it, it's hard to judge West this year because the roster is just they're just yeah. not competitive. So I give I give West a small pass. I know the majority of the fan base wants you know him to be fired immediately and I, I don't blame them either. But so yeah it, it, it's it's a tough part for West. But yes he is he's really good in that first quarter and second quarter. And then last year, you know, we led the league and giving up 15 plus point lead. So Wes is known the, the Clippers game. We were up by 35. And he ended up, we ended up losing that game. So Wes is good with that first half script. And then like you brought up the adjustments, you know, he, he just struggles with that third quarter. My bad. My turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, kind of piggyback off what you guys are saying, man. Um, I mean, West ain't going nowhere. I mean, mm, yeah. I, I think I thought they kind of rushed it by giving him that fourth year option. You know, it's a valuation year. I, I thought they would have gave him a year to kind of evaluate where he's at and then go from there. But um, kind of going back to um, you know, kind of combining everything, man. Looking at the Wiseman trade and the what they expected culture. It's like just because you're in year one of a rebuild doesn't mean you go to play like you're in year one of a rebuild. A rebuild ain't got to take forever. You know, that's the thing. You know, the thing about what really marks the good GMs who build championship contenders to the GMs that don't do squat is reading the market. You know, we, if you have the opportunity to go get a Wiseman and a Jaden Ivey, make that. You, and your excuse to the fan base can't be, oh, you know, we're, we're trying to be patient. You know, we, we, we. No, if you see talent in the market, you got to make that move. Because, you, I mean, look, it's not guaranteed that this rebuild has to be three, four, five years. I mean, let's be real, man. They got this whole Hennessy Lounge and all that. How many people are going to really pay for that Hennessy Lounge three years, four years, five years into a rebuild? I mean, they're still trying to make money. So, you know, kind of reading the market. They got to make the necessary moves according to the market. You know, I get the, you know, having a vision of a long rebuild and evaluating, but the same token, it doesn't have to be a long rebuild. You know, you you have this year to evaluate what talent you have, uh, what talent, what assets you have. And if, like I said, read the market. Look at Cleveland. You know, Cleveland was one move away, and they waited, and then he found that move in Donovan Mitchell, and they made it. They read the market. So when it's time to make that move, look, James Ivey averaged 16 points last year. He's going to slide in. He's going to score a bunch of buckets. James Wiseman is a versatile big. So you make that move, he's young. You can still develop him. He can still be part of the timeline. 
So, you know, that's the one thing I want to look at for this front office and I get it, you know, it's rebuilding. But in the same token, when you see that move in the market that needs to be made, especially for young talent like Jaden Ivey, Lord have mercy, you got to go out and grab him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's where I'm at with it, man. Um, I like, you know, looking at the culture. I like to see Kyle Kuzma be that leader. Uh, Jordan Poole. But like I said, I don't want to see them playing like they're in the first year of a rebuild. Uh, play like you're trying to win every game because that's culture. You know, is it, trying to win every game. Not, you know, not having fun, getting blown out, you know, throwing the ball up the backboard and all that, having fun. It ain't no fun about getting blown out by 30 points, man. There's nothing fun about that. So that's where I'm at, man. Yeah. And Brandon, I'll mess with you real quick. I'll definitely take Jay's Jay's Wiseman, but I will not take Kai Jones at all. Oh but I'll definitely take James Wiseman for sure. Well, I know he's a little quirky, man, but you know, I mean <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's one of those I, I get why people wouldn't want Kai Jones. I get it, you know, but still if you can try to mold a young man and try to work with him, and if he does figure it out, then that's a good move, man. So it's just, you can look at, the, you know, in sports period, but especially the NBA, there's a long list of questionable players, man, where they found the right setup and they flourished. You know, when, you know, when they had those issues with Dennis Rodman towards the end and they shipped him to San Antonio and he was dying his hair and acting crazy, they made that necessary move and they brought him into a situation where they had that culture and they molded him and, and he was a pivotal piece of a dynasty. So, you know, sometimes you got to take that chance. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But so, I, I would definitely love Jaden Ivey on this roster for sure. He would bring, bring some explosiveness and toughness to, to the team and physicality for sure. Um, David, the Wizards play the Hornets tomorrow night. Uh, what's your prediction for that game? And then also you can give oh, your uh, prediction for the, <laughs> <laughs> the Commanders and Seahawks game on Sunday at 4 o'clock. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think the Hornets – I mean, the Hornets are going to win. You know what I mean? I, I just, you know, barring anything kind of, kind of crazy and or like a just a, a hot night for JP or or Coos or something like that. It's, it's that's pretty much that. That's going to be the the prediction for the majority of the season, I think. Um, but you know, I mean, never say never, right? That's that's why they play the games and, and all that stuff. It's it's one on the court, not on the on the on the on the roster sheet. Um, for the for the Commanders and Seahawks, I think I'm in. I'm kind of in the same boat there. I mean, the more I think about this matchup. Uh, the more I just I just think the Seahawks are going to be able to pull this one off. If it, if it was in FedEx, maybe you know you have a better opportunity. The Seahawks fans do travel, but I don't know if they travel to to to, to DC as well as they travel to other places. Um, I like what Sam is doing, but I'm I'm of the opinion at this point in time that if the Commanders don't score at least 25 points against the team, they're probably not going to win that game. I think that's kind of just the way you anticipate a lot of these games, and I don't know that this team puts together 25 points against uh, the Seattle Seahawks specifically just because. They've got uh, a secondary that is is playing very very well and and finding ways to beat Devin Witherspoon, Tariq Woolen uh, is is going to be really hard for Sam and this is going to be a game where I think Sam's either going to throw two touchdowns or he's going to throw two interceptions. If it's two interceptions, they're probably going to lose that game. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the first one with the Wizards, the Seahawks. I I do agree with you too. I think it's going to be pretty close. I think it's going to come down to it, the spread is six. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than that, maybe like five or or three. I think it's going to be really really closer than what a lot of people think. Uh, but I I do think it's going to come down. I think the the key player is going to be Emmanuel Forbes. How does he match up against DK? How does he match up against Lockett or Smith and Jigba? So I, I think it's going to come down to that, and then obviously we can't turn the ball over just in a hostile environment in Seattle. So, um, but I, I think it's going to be a really close game. Yeah, we'll see, man. My prediction for the Wizards game, Lord have mercy, man. Why y'all feel me on the spot like that? <laughs> um, 
It's going to be a close game, man, but we have Wizards Killers on the Hornets team, man. You know, Rozier, man, always cooks us. Rozier is out. He's out for the next two weeks. Oh, Lord. Um, So, I mean, we still got Nick Richards. He's another known Wizards Killer. So, I'm going to say – I'm going to be an optimist tonight, man. Um, I'm going to say the Wizards get a close win, 108-104. Jordan Poole drops 25. Kyle Kuzma drops 31. And Bilal looks better in this game. I, I see Bilal dropping 14 points, man. Uh, but look at that, the Commanders. <laughs> oh, this is, is going to be a tough one, man. I mean, it's, it's always tough to win in Seattle, man. Um, but if this D-line could put some pressure on Geno Smith, man, we have a chance. Because, look, Forbes, man, he's he had his issues. But last week he looked decent. So, it's you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, prediction. I'm going to say the Commanders win 28-21. I'm rocking with the Commanders, man. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I mean, hey, that's more that's more than 25 points. So you know what I mean? That's 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 the benchmark I'm setting for the commander's offense all season long. So now I think Sam I am's gonna show up, man. I think he's gonna show up. I think you know, people are sleeping on him. You know, if you look at this stat line, he passing yards, he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I mean, you know, people are still people are still talking about Caleb Williams. I mean, I, we don't need no guys crying up in the stands, man. <laughs> no, we we got our guy now. So <laughs> Yeah, my bad. But um, so yeah, no, you're that, good. <laughs> <laughs> you're telling the truth. I'm just saying, sorry, telling like it is, man. I'm just saying we have our guy. We, you know, the, the search is over. So uh, I guess we'll go ahead and roll it tonight. Um, definitely appreciate you, Dave, man, coming on the show, chopping it up with us, man. Um, before we roll, do you have anything else you want to plug tonight, man? Uh no, I mean inside the wizards.com, Park Sports Illustrated's fan nation, then yeah, locked on commanders if you if you want uh football stuff. And I mean you can find me on Twitter, dharrison82. I'm going to be honest, I don't tweet much, um, but I'm, I'm down to talk pretty much anything uh, with people. So, Yes, sir. So definitely check out Dave, man, because he knows what he's talking about. Definitely knows what he's talking about. So definitely check in and look at Locked On Commanders and Locked On Bucks. So, again, appreciate your time, man. Um, Everybody, like, subscribe, comment below. Let us know what you think about the subject matter tonight. Would you start Denny at the four in long term? Is Blad a guy too? You know, what is the vision going for? Definitely let us know. Wherever you get your podcast, five-star review is much appreciated. So, again, appreciate you guys. See you guys tomorrow night for the live recap of the Hornets Wizards recap. So, hail to the Wizards, hail to the Commanders, and peace. Everybody have a good night. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.